pharmacy was dragging on getting the order in. She overwrote it, type in VE, pulled up the med, same two letters. There's no special code that says, hey, this is not the medication or careful. This is a paralytic instead of a sedative medication. And bam, unfortunately led to a fatal med error. Oh, I gotta go. I've been working, told them, please don't hit my phone. I'm in my zone, bro. Just leave me alone. Was on the road, but I swear I'm coming home. Now the drinks on me, I think we need a toast. See, I did it for me. Now my old friends calling, told them nothing's for free. Told me time is money, dog. Swear I paid on my fees. I was starving for this day. Now my fan, they can't eat. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Cup of Nurses podcast with your hosts, Matt and myself, Peter Fendera. Thank you all for tuning in. Let's lay some groundwork here. Make sure you guys check us out on couplenurses.com. We literally house all our show notes for each episode, all the information we talk about. It's presented to you on the website with so much more other stuff. We have also a shop, couplenurses.shop, where you can buy some cool merch. Matt's wearing the Live It Not In It, which is actually not available at Couple Nurses. It's actually available on wearefrontlinewarriors.com, our sister site, where we place a majority of our, you could say, conscious blog post on there, something to kind of make you a better person mentally and, and physically, a lot of wellness stuff, mindfulness. It's just to grow your consciousness and grow the human race on a collective level. And I'm wearing the Nurse College shirt. That's available on couplenurses.shop. Brad uh, boy. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. But really good episode today. Thank you all, all for tuning in, for listening. Thank you for your time. Shout out to all our Spotify listeners, all our Apple podcast listeners, and shout out to the video YouTube viewers as well because our videos are on YouTube and that's where you could spend uh, the most of your time with us and also the most intimate time because you can actually see how we look, how we interact, how we move. And we should have video on Spotify now as well for all you Spotify fans. But what's up, Matt? How's it going? Thank you for the beautiful intro. On today's episode, we're going to talk about medical errors in the United States, which is the third leading cause of death, and also the Ron Vaught case, which is taking place end of March. And this case means a lot for the nursing community for what it might mean for the future as far as getting criminally charged for creating a possibly a med error, which is unintentional. And it does happen because of the circumstances that are laid out at work that creates not the best atmosphere for us to take care of our job. And we hear about it all the time during the pandemic. It's something that was there for a while. The facilities aren't taking care of us. There's nurses that are standing up to this that are speaking publicly like on, um, on social media because we need better work environments as a collective across healthcare. With all this stuff on the media, this is probably something that nurses should pay attention to more of because this kind of affects us directly. Yeah, we hear a lot of court cases online about like politicians or businesses or corporations, but a lot of those don't impact us directly as nurses and in our profession. But this one is going to directly impact on how we we uh, we move forward and which course we actually take because when you think of law and judicial system when it's a case like this the way this case is going to be ruled is going to dictate how future cases are going to, to be ruled and that's kind of how law works this is going to be the the standard of this uh, medication error that this woman woman committed and it's also a little bit more late actually really relatable to us 
because we could all imagine ourselves in, in these shoes. We'll explain to you in a little bit, a little bit of background about this and the situation. But this is something that if you are a nurse, you could definitely fathom happening and seeing how this happened and the measures that could have been taken to avoid this. And, and this whole situation is you could definitely see this as a realistic thing that could happen to somebody that you work with, a coworker, or even in your facility. And just for some quick facts here before we fast pass to the case. In 2016, John Hopkins did a study claiming that more than 250,000 people die of med errors each year. And others report that these numbers are a lot higher, up to 440,000 because of the underreport reportings because of how tedious that process is. So medical errors is a big deal. Maybe you even committed it yourself by accident, which was unintentional. There was no harm to be done. And it's a cohesive thing to be done both between the healthcare system and yourself, meaning you need measures in place to prevent med errors from happening. And also your facility should present you a great working environment to help prevent med errors. Um, so just going to the case of Rhonda Vaught. So she's a 38 year old female. She is currently now an ex uh, Tennessee nurse. Is getting patient report? 38 year old female, right? full code, she no allergies. She's definitely a full code because she's on trial going to jail. I'm joking. So she's being accused for dispensing the wrong medicine that led to a patient death. Uh, and the case, what they're trying to press her for, she's getting charged with reckless homicide and, and uh, abuse, a felony abuse of an impaired adult. Very serious charges. And this is just like Peter mentioned, is very important because if one of our nurses in healthcare gets charged with a reckless homicide, what does that mean to us now? Now the state can go after us for little things that were unintentionally done. Where is our healthcare system protecting us? We already are in, are in a stressful environment role because life is on the line. Now we have to worry about getting criminally ind indicted and go to jail. Because nursing is, is a career where you go into with a lot of compassion. So you, nobody really, actually, no nurse is going to go into nurse attention to harm. I know that was like years ago where they had that nurse that was like a serial killer that killed a lot of, a lot of patients. But stories. that's like, that's, that's like, most people can't even fathom that happening or it's not going to happen to you realistically in a realistic sense, especially in this time frame. But just like you have psychopaths anywhere else, of course doing having a nursing career be so big and there's so many nurses there of course you're going to have one odd one but that's also goes in with any kind of kind of career so the ronda white or sorry the ronda vaunt uh so a little bit of, the, of this timeline so december 24 2017 just to give you guys a little perspective this is when this kind of situation this is when this situation started to unfold so the patient was uh charlene murphy 75 year old female a longtime resident of the nashville suburb of gallatin she checked it. She checked into Vanderbilt with a subdural hematoma or a bleeding in her brain. So she came in with a with a stroke. I'm not sure what caused that stroke. I'm not sure it was a fall at home or or hypertension or the exact measures were. But regardless, that's not the most important thing. She checked herself in uh, to the hospital where then she got cared for as having a stroke. Two days later, on December 26, 2017, Murphy's condition improves and she is almost ready to leave Vanderbilt. During a final PET scan in a hospital's radiology department, Murphy is supposed to be given a sedative, Versed, but is accidentally given a dose of Vecuronium, a powerful paralyzing medication, according to a federal investiga investigator's report. The drug leaves her brain dead. So for those of you that are not really sure of what Versed is <clears throat> or why we use Versed and a difference between Versed and Vecuronium is 
Versed as a common sedative, it does decrease your respiratory effort. It's it sedates you, but the main difference between Versed and uh, Vecuronium, so Vex, as we we say, is that Vex is a paralytic, so it stops you from breathing and stops your muscle and diaphragm from contracting, or from expanding and and uh, having you breathe in and breathe out. So that's the major thing. Versed leads leads to respiratory depression. Vex leads to the stop of respiratory. So basically, you could say at least respiratory rest, for example. And the way this med error occurred is she overrode it in the pics. So that's another thing where, wow, is this medication being able to be overwritten? Maybe because it's a PET scan and the radiology has access to that. We, we even in the ICU don't have that. We have to take like a rapid intubation care, RSI kit, uh, to get our hands on those kind of medications. And it depends per hospital why this happens. But long story short, pharmacy was dragging on getting the order in she overrode it type in ve pulled up the med same two letters there's no special code that says hey this is not the medication or careful this is a paralytic instead of a sedative medication and bam unfortunately led to a fatal med error yeah. and Eva allegedly admits to the hospital staff she's responsible for the medication error so she realized what she did and she knew it was an accident it doesn't seem like there was any kind of intent here because she confessed to it and she's told management that, hey, I took out the wrong medication in Pixis and I gave it to, her, to the patient and now the patient had cardiac arrest and now she's on life support. So if you were thinking, did, did she have intent? Did she want to do this? Is she out to murder people? Is she, is she crazy? It doesn't seem like it because if someone's out for murder or wants to kill somebody or do all those crazy things, they probably don't want to only do it once, they want to do multiple times. I'm, I'm thinking so I'm not a murderer so I don't know how, the, how that works or how they process it but just the fact that she admitted to it and told staff that hey this is what happened told managers what happened that just shows that she had she had a uh, good in her heart and her intentions and she she messed up she messed up in one of the worst ways anybody could mess up and if one of us messed up in, in that way and even with the, the viewers and the listeners I'm sure you would feel really really guilty Definitely. Like imagine pushing a medication, thinking it has one action, and the next thing you know, the patient is coding, unresponsive, and that's what happened. They did CPR for up to 30 minutes, ended up intubating her. She was placed on life support and then died 12 hours later. Mm. Emotions aside, did, did she mess up? Yeah, she made an accident. But is it her fault, you could say? Not really. Things things could have been, been, been done safety measures could have been in place to avoid this from happening and like is it her fault i would say it's not her fault but did she mess up she messed up so now the plaintiff emotion aside yeah the plaintiff versus defendant so what's going on in the court case now that's taking place in march so you have the assistant dis uh, district attorney chad jackson so he's a part of the state and he plans to prove that there was no way that vaught could have pulled the right medicine from the machine with the way she was using it so this is why she's potentially getting charged with reckless homicide because she did it the wrong way. And then Peter Strynes, which is Vaught's attorney, said he plans to show the medicine dispensing cabinet was in permanent override mode, which led her to pull this medication in the first place, not having a sa safety mechanism to prevent, prevent the nurse from pulling the wrong med. Mm. It's, it's tough and it's unfortunate how 
it happened and it's both parties responsibility at the end of the day 100 percent. don't you check your medicines all the time i do i do yeah yeah like i said like i'm it's thinking it's, yeah emotion emotions aside she did mess up but should we blame her for the situation i would say no it's not i feel like it's an honest accident but the fact that the machine was on permanent override shows that there was not any kind of safety measures in that Pixis. Because normally if you go to a Pixis on, on our own job, or my sorry, my, my older job, my older uh, place that I used to work at, when you would override something in a Pixis, like a paralytic or or verset or a sedative, when you press it, it's it pro- there's another prompt pops up that says, are you sure you're, you're doing this? And even when you scan the patient, um, it, would, it would say, hey, patient's medication is in order anymore. Are you sure when they want to give this? I'm not sure the scanning process was. Um, we couldn't find any information about that. This was just the Pixis, not yeah. the administration portion. There's more to the story that could paint it, but of course this is a court case now, so nothing could get released unless you were there. For example, there was a nurse back in um, my staff job where she asked for medication from pharmacy. It was the wrong medication pharmacy sent up, right? But the thing is that she didn't scan it. She first pulled it, gave it to the patient, then scanned it, then realized she pushed Presidex. Patient got super snowed, had to go to PCCU for close monitoring. So could she have scanned his medication first and prevented this from happening? And did she instead gave the med, which is her responsibility at the end of the day, no matter what she pulled out of Pixis. And and that's the sad part that reckless homicide, you go up to 12 years in prison for this. That's not, to me, that's not for, reckless, man. For for something that small, mm. it's it's messed up. Like she has good intentions of patient care and she's one of us mm. and she needs her support in this like time with what's happening. Yeah, yeah. looking at her intentions, of course, she's not here to speak with us directly. Maybe we can even get her on a podcast after the, the trial or something. You know, maybe she can walk us through it. But That'd be when, sick. If you I'm, guys know mm. her, Hit us up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if, if, I'm, if I'm myself in her shoes, I'm kind of understanding tension. So think about it because when someone goes for a PET scan, so a PET scan that scans the body for any kind of bleeds, or it could also scan the body for any kind of cancer as well, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and the, and typically when you bring somebody there, they just, they just do it. There's no medication order. There's no sedatives ordered. But in this case, they ordered over a set because for some reason at some point, the patient was freaking out. So they don't order Diversad just just in case. Nobody really orders that. I mean, some facilities do, but you rarely see that because you know you don't want to have the order there for, for no reason. So patient was probably freaking out. The nurse had the best intentions in mind. It went to go draw the Versed, took it. And just to give you a real life perspective, when you have a patient, let's just say you're in ICU, and you have a patient that's going through alcohol withdrawal is is acting wild, acting crazy, or even have a psychotic patient or a patient with a psych history that's like crazy and you're going to give them hell dog or add a van to calm them down. A lot of times, nurses give the medication first, then scan it because it's not an ideal world where you could just scan it and then give it because seconds matter. Seconds matter. Seconds could be from that patient punching your coworker in the face because you decided to scan the medication, then give it. It could be that patient possibly having a seizure because they're working themselves up so much. It could be the seconds that the patient happens to roll out of the bed because you decided to scan it first. So certain situations, you have to give medication first before you scan it. People have done it. It it does happen because seconds do count. Especially if you have a long scanning process where you got to scan the patient, then you got to click something on the computer. 
then you scan the medication, click something again, and then you administer it, that could take up a lot of time and it could lead to lead to harm. But then again, you have to take the checks and balances that the scanning gives you and take that onto yourself. Take that responsibility for making sure 100% that this is the correct stuff because now you're bypassing a system that's there for also patient safety. So it's patient safety on two ends. Patient safety from the do no harm end of them harming themselves or harming a, a coworker or a staff member and a do no harm harm end where you don't want to give the wrong medication to, to harm them. That's why the checks and balances of scanning there are. But nothing is black and white nursing and it just depends on the circumstance. There, ha there has been a lot of times where nurses had to give the medication before scanning just because it was so important and so, so time critical. Think about it when you're in a code status. When you're coding a patient, do you scan the medication, then give it? Just to make sure you make sure it's epinephrine and not something else, not atropine or whatever. You don't scan it because because time is brain. Like we always say with the stroke and same with during a cold. During a cold, you don't have time to be scanning it. That's why there's so much participants. You got a recorder, you have the physician, you have the compressions, you have the respiratory, ther respiratory therapist giving the, the breaths and you have somebody standing on standby. This whole works because you don't have time to scan because time is literally that important where you need those people in the room and you got to do these do these things because time matters and you don't have time for all this other checks and balances because you got to go. And should you be criminalized for that? Mm. That's, that's crazy. That's unfair when we're all there in a room trying to make it happen, try to save this guy. Yeah. And this court case is getting a little bit sketched too because the plaintiff is asking the defense counsel not to be able to ask any any witnesses about the actions that are taken in Vanderbilt University Medical Center. So regardless of the measures that the hospital has taken place, following the death of the victim, we can't talk about what was changed. And this would help this nurse in that case, which is the messed up part because we're looking at the problem in a vacuum. We're going after this nurse as if she did something reckless, but that's only half the situation that we're not taking into consideration. Um, and that's, yeah. And, then, about to be and we're not even talking about the settlement that the family already settled with the hospital. Mm. So why are you still going after her? Yeah. So we talked about this, this before before the show. So the the patient's uh, son, he said that he did not want to pursue criminal action because he knows that if his mom was still alive and something happened to her, he knows that the mom <clears throat> that his mom would understand that this was an accident, and he knew that she wouldn't want him to pursue legal action because this is an honest mistake. But, and this is crazy how how this happens because this is an example. And it's let this guide you on your, your future thoughts and future actions and future um, just goals and just the way you think about, about life. The news got word of this happening. And not many people know that, that Vex is also a medication used in lethal ejection when you uh, kill somebody in, in jail, basically, that's, that's on death row. So when the news got word that this happened in the hospital that a nurse accidentally gave a wrong medication, led to a patient death. Of course, they went wild for it. And the news actually mentioned that the Vax, the medication that the nurse gave, is used as lethal injection. So now, the, now if, you, if you think about it from like the perspective of the son, if you hear that your mom was killed with a medication that's used for lethal injections that is used to intentionally kill somebody, you're going to naturally think that, hey, whoa, that's kind of strange. Because people that aren't in healthcare, that don't work with these medications, don't know how common they actually are. We use Vex a lot. It's a very helpful medication in surgeries, uh, helpful medication when we had 
a lot of COVID-19 patients. Difficult intubation. Difficult intubations. It helps a lot. And it's a common medication that we use. And we use it with the purpose of it helping the patient. But when somebody in healthcare or not in healthcare hears this word that, hey, this is what they use in lethal injection, you understand that this is what they're going to be thinking that, hey, if this is using lethal injection and my mom got killed with this, whoa, even even though that's that's not a good perspective to, to take, naturally, someone that's not in healthcare is going to think that route because they're not educated in that sense. And this puts the nurse in a very, very shitty situation. And same same with the with the family members of the deceased patient because now they're thinking and they're that thought already lowers their energy because they're always gonna be thinking about that now because they don't they don't know what the actual intent was behind this because they're always gonna be thinking about that because of the way the news portrayed it as this medication used for lethal injections. It almost seems like hey, my mom was intentionally killed because this is this medication is used for killing people. It's not used for killing people. It's used for paralysis in emergency situations and in, and in situations where we need to safely make the patient better. The loopholes. And what's what's another loophole is um, the hospital that even report the fatal medication error to the state, which is required by law. And the two neurologists or the two doctors at the that were medically examining this uh, person. Murphy said that she died of a natural death related to her intracerebral hemorrhage. So I was kind of iffy on that, but then as I thought about it more, so technically that that's why why she died. She died from 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 that. If you think about it, what's going to cause you you to die is is those organs not not working properly. So I understand why they did that because when I remember when I when I was with a physician that was running a, a death report or or something. He says, just just be broad. You don't want to be specific and, and sound kind of weird where people want to get other ideas. So that, that's why they put this. Yeah, they, they try saying? to kind of help themselves out a little bit. But that's like saying that you died because of C-19, but not of your gunshot. Mm-hmm. But you're bleeding out and you happen to have C-19 mm-hmm. and you had it. That's like the same thing here. You happen to have a bleed, but she gave you Vex and you and you coded. Mm-hmm. Yeah, same way. Like, think, think about it. So... If um, like let's just say your your loved one died, let's just say your 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 dad fell, he hit his head and he he had a stroke. Um, on a death certificate, they're not gonna they're not gonna put death by fall or anything like that. They're gonna put death usually by uh, by what they what they wrote here. What they what were their exact words? Do you remember natural death? Natural yeah from natural, an intracerebral hemorrhage. Yeah, so they're gonna they're gonna say you, you didn't die from falling. You died because of what caused you to actually die, which is the bleed. Not the fall. The fall made you bleed, but the bleed is the one thing that actually killed you. That's kind of how they write it. Because because if you write anything more kind of subjective and not just stick to the facts like that, then people start reading in between the lines. And not only is it beneficial from a legal standpoint for, for a doctor, because I'm not saying doctors are sketchy people and they try to you know finagle the system of death reports. It's just like you want to write what's there in, in a way that people don't get the wrong idea because... This is this is important. Like you're talking, you're writing about why somebody died, and this is someone's loved one that people don't want to be in that situation because you don't want to have your loved one pass away. So why would you want to write something that's maybe not for sure factual or, or not sure of that people might get the wrong intention from or wrong idea? You don't want to put that in a family because that's not right. It's not helpful in a situation. Yeah, and the last like little twist into the story is that no one found out about this till ten months later when an anonymous complaint was given to the government regulators so a lot of background did that person have a bad conscience but in general 
reporting medical errors gets missed in the healthcare system. Even University of Chicago conducted a survey in 2017 about the patient experiences of medical errors. What they found out that adults who had medical errors, only 32% of the cases, the patient was uh, talked about, about their error and what happened from the facility versus 63% said that, or I'm sorry, 67% said that they were not informed of the medical error. And to like paint the bigger picture, the CDC fails to classify errors separate from a, de- a death certificate when collecting health, certif- uh, health statistics. So we don't even know how much medical errors really do exist because they're not being tracked by our own government regulators. Yeah. Med errors do happen and majority of them don't lead to any kind of harm. So if you're thinking there is like a million deaths associated to medical errors, no, that's not accurate. It's it's a lot lower than that. It's it's super low. There's not there's not a whole lot of lot of them. That's why here they don't list numbers, they list percentages. Because there's not of there's not a high amount of people that die due to med errors. It usually leads to leads to no harm. But it's, it's twenty billion annually yeah. of money, so I'm talking about like like her case. So like a lot majority of med oh, errors are small. To death. Yeah, Hell yeah. Majority of med errors are su- super small. They like I said, don't lead to patient harm. But the ones that actually do lead to patient harm, like this, once in a blue moon it happens. Not very often. Majority of them maybe just cost some extra money. Where uh, maybe you gave an extra dose of a medication that now the patient has to pay for, or maybe an, an extra test they have to do now because you have to you have to fix or like. Um, like an IV infiltrates and you maybe gave it, you like weren't sure if, if it was infiltrating, but you did it anyways. And then it kind of burned them or whatever hurt them. And then that requires care. Majority of small things like, like that happen and those costs add up, but really serious matters don't really happen. The hospitals are really good at preventing these things because we've, we've got better over the years and nursing has gotten safer. Uh, pricing medicine has gotten safer. Being a doctor has gotten safer. Healthcare has gotten safer in general. That's why we're seeing better and better hospital outcomes. Yeah, and, and I, I like the contract that we're currently at in Cali and San Diego because I know all these systems they have to prevent this. For example, let's talk about why medical errors occur. So these are going to be some of the reasons. So one of them is communication problems. Big thing, when you're missing things in report. When Peter and I worked in Oakland and there was three eights uh, rotating shifts a day and it was three nurses instead of two, a lot of things get missed because you're not going to uh, come to the same nurse and in this hospital for example they have like the nke smile right so this is making oh, sure you read everything over to prevent any kind of communication errors you have everything you need about the patient and you have to sign off make sure you put the nurse's name because that's like their their what's it called um it's like your insurance policy like hey you signed off you knew about this why didn't you look this over didn't you guys have a report that was in the patient's room and this is like the the hospital's insurance policy to make sure the nurses are doing what they're doing but at the end of the day they're just doing it for the patient's safety that's the big goal that we have to keep in mind as much as it's annoying on uh, our end as a nurse speaking of aka i forgot to do my last shift tis 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 do i gotta go back to do it I don't Probably know. doesn't matter now. Well, it's too late. Yeah, right. Yeah, who's gonna know? I don't even know what a nurse's name. Another problem is staffing problems and workflow. As you know, inadequate staffing, stress, uh, leads to medical errors. Inadequate policies and ratios. Same thing. If there's another not proper things in place. For example, in her case, if you're taking out a medic medication with VE at the end, and both of them Versed and Ver, uh, Vex have that. 
Why isn't there like a little pop-up on the pixels? Hey, say med. Are you sure? Correct. And then have like that double opt-in. Yes, I am sure. Okay. And now I pulled the med versus just pulling it. So different policies. That like can a be double override. Double override. Yeah. Exactly. Same thing in the place they're working at. Aren't you annoyed as an ICU nurse that you don't have autonomy when you're titrating your drips? It sucks. But what now, the, the safety here is you're going down by five mics on probe. Another nurse is verifying that. So one, if she, if you screw up and she, and she verify that, now there's two people accountable. At the same time, on the on the contrary, it's good because if you're co-signing that you're going up on sedation but the blood pressure is low, that other nurse might save your ass by questioning: Is that the correct um, thing that you're doing based on this patient's condition? So that's like a double verification to, at the end of the day patient safety yep. or you go up by 50 instead of five because maybe you you pressed it by accident and now you know the patient's harmed or now they are really really hypotensive because you wanted to go up five and now you went up by 50 so yeah. 10 times more same thing here inadequate information flow what we like to do is when we sign off on these drips we also check the patient's uh, weight if you have propofol running at a higher kilogram that the patient weights that is not verified in the chart it might be a small little med error now, but it could lead to something bigger if that sedation is causing a bigger problem because you're over sedating a patient when the kilograms don't match up. So little things like that. Uh, there's also patient-related issues and technical failures, which are a little bit less common, but there's times that something might fail that doesn't pr create a good outcome. A lot of times everything's plugged into generators with a beautiful red color in the room uh, just so your ventilators and everything's always working. Yeah, I think every hospital should implement in their PIXIS a double verification for sedation medication, for paralytics, and especially for, for overriding. I think regardless, when you pull a sedative, you should get double verification, paralytic double verification. And even maybe uh, pressors, just think, just to make sure you grab the, the right pressure. Uh, maybe you wanted um, Levo, but you grabbed Neo. I think those med those medications that could cause harm like that, those should be also double verified. It's something something simple because because it's gonna make you look twice. I know there's no system that's perfect. Even if you have a five nurse verification system, I guarantee you things are still going to be missed. They're going to be missed not as frequently, but they're going to be missed. And I understand that even if you implement a double verification, you're not going to prevent all of them, but still you're going to prevent something because a nurse is gonna. I guarantee you, a nurse is gonna take the wrong medication again. But just because you had double verification and she had a double check and she realized that in Versetta it's V-E-R, the third letter is different versus what, V, um, V-E, how do you spell the other one? Versetta versus Vecoronia. Yeah, how do you spell it? V-E. V-E-C-E-R-I-V-E, something like that. Whatever, whatever you sell it. Just be, just because the first letters are the same, the third letter is different and you made that nurse double check and she caught that third letter just through the second verification, that's already a plus. Just that, just that one nurse. So regardless, every nurse should have, every PIXA should have that. That's how my facility in Illinois was, where they had a double verification system for uh, off the bat. We didn't have, it wasn't, it wasn't programmed after a medication error. It was already programmed standard into the, the PIXAs. It was there when I, when I came to work and it was already standard practice. That's double verification. Every PIXA has that. It was straight business. I guarantee you a lot of stuff got prevented. Yeah. And just to kind of think about sometimes that maybe matters happen in your career, maybe made in the care that you're doing or someone close to you. For example, the mistakes that were d done during a test, surgery, or treatment that could be so simple or not doing the proper timeouts. Medical problems that are misdiagnosed happens a lot. 
received a diagnosis that didn't make sense. That's a little bit more very subjective and rare cases. I did see a few were given the wrong instructions about the follow-up care. It's more towards like the discharge that we don't see as much. But what if you gave the wrong instructions and something got missed when you're at home with things? Medications were administered with the wrong dose, maybe right time, received the treatments that weren't needed. It could be as simple as giving insulin to a patient that doesn't need it because you failed to check the proper uh, sliding scale. Getting infection after hospitalization or treatment, that's unfortunate. Uh, that sucks. I don't know if C. diff is classified as one of those, but it's, it's horrible when it happens. Getting the wrong metaphor. More of like an adverse effect, right? It's yeah, just, not a meta, yeah. essentially. Yeah, especially now in the entire world, we give antibiotics broad spectrum off the rip for almost everything that we that we suspect that could be inf infectious. C. diff is such a common thing. Um, C. diff is more common. Actually, I actually gotta look it up. Don't call me on this one. But I'm thinking that C. diff is possibly more common now than before because I feel like we have more antibiotic-resistant uh, bacteria, and I feel like we're loading people up with antibiotics more often than, than not. Could be, but then again, I'm not. I have to ask a seasoned nurse because then I'm thinking, looking back, like 1990s, uh, hospitals weren't as clean, so maybe C. diff was more more predominant there because it was just spread from patient to patient, possibly. Maybe the next episode we'll do a, a GI, a C. diff, a C. diff one. Sure, if you want to go for it, I'm I'm done. I'll do a podcast about that. We could do like yeah. all the negative effects of like, or just or just GI patients, though those bad those nasty GI cases. Yeah, the bleeders are always good stories, and they always um, smoke the whole room. Yeah, I remember um, in Austin we had one of those, and the whole B pod it was just gassed up, and the charge nurse was just walking around with those little stoma bottles, trying to make a difference. But what makes a difference is getting that heavy duty uh, spray from freaking EVS, man. It does the job right. I feel like GI bleeds are one of those things where it's like it's either really good and it's stable, or it's just bad. There's no like in between. There's nobody that's like that's like in between there. I feel like there's always it's always, it's always on one spectrum. Either they're chilling and they're good, or they're just going to crap. One of those things. Yeah, or they're either bleeding, no pun intended. bleeding out so much you're doing a lot of cleanup, or they're just chilling. They have like one old little stool. Mm -hmm. uh, but back to meters, just be cautious as a nurse when you're doing everything from assessing your patient, asking questions from a nurse, and eventually you're gonna develop a better moral compass and intuition so you could catch and prevent things but ultimately a lot of things come down to our license and it lit, it lit us a lot of stress you just got to double check your work like always look at the very end when you're doing stuff i love the mars where they say hey don't forget that this pill you have to cut it in half and it tells you to put the right dose okay it's not 150 it's 75 also really good but check. yeah but it's your responsibility if you have 10 meds take that damn pill and put it on the side or put it next to the pill cutter so that's your own little safety mechanism so you actually give the right dose because if you got 10 pills you scan it you're stressed out oh charge uh just paged you that you're getting an admission in 15 that pile just there it's all together you give freaking 50 milligrams more of entoprol 100 instead of 50 now you got a patient that's bradycardic and you got to call the physician about stupid stuff and what if they're symptomatic? You got to pace them. Worst scenario, you want to prevent that. Just take the little safety mechanisms. Take the time. Take a deep breath. Everything is okay. You can't control some things in nursing. That's what it is. But if you show up and deliver 100%, that's great. If if stuff goes south, just don't take it person, personal. That's all just part of healthcare. But just make sure you're covering all your checks and P's. 
so you don't you don't end up in court long story short yeah and like it's okay if you make a mistake it's not the end of the world the key thing is to learn from it and and be honest for example if you have like a patient with a central line and you're taking them off levo because they don't they don't need it and you take a flush and you disconnect levo and then you flush it and all of a sudden your airline's reading that your blood pressure is 217 over 145 and everybody rushes in a room and thinks patients having a stroke but you know that they're not having a stroke because you just pushed the levo that was in that central line so maybe like a one ml or two mls or whatever or whatever length of the central line line you have and people running a room just admit hey sorry i just flushed this line with levo don't say hey i don't know i'm, I'm not sure what happened don't lie because then doctors are gonna be like whoa what happened did did he just, you know, have a stroke or something? What, what happened with his patient? Why is his blood pressure show up? Then I got to order these scans, all, all these things where you could be, just be like, hey, I just flushed a little bit of Levo. Leave, Let's wait for patients to settle down. Let's not freak out. Instead of everybody freaking out in the room, throwing out on some pads and thinking that your patient is going to code. Just be honest because mistakes happen to all of us. And the best way to avoid a mistake is to learn from it, but also be honest because you got to fix the situation. And if, and if people aren't aware of what caused this, then they're going to think about a lot of different ways to fix it instead of already having the solution. Yeah, but this the Ronda case is very interesting. I, I personally, happens. Yeah, I personally don't think she should get prosecuted for this. She did make a mistake. It's she. She did make a mistake. Is it completely her fault? No. Is I feel like it is an honest mistake, and it can happen to anybody in a panic situation. And the fact that the the deceased lady's son. Is, is understanding and understands that his his mom would forgive this person. I think that shows you what kind of a person Deronda is because I'm sure they've spoken with each other. And that just shows you what kind of person she is and that she did not have any kind of kind of intent. Hopefully that goes that way and rules in her favor because it's an honest mistake. And I hopefully the news media doesn't spin it in, in a way where it's inaccurate or or just the case goes where not all the facts are revealed because that'd be very sad. That'd be a very sad situation for her and also nursing moving forward because like I said, whatever happens here is going to get looked at as the gold standard for situations similar to this. Yeah. Is it her fault? Yes. Could there have been better ways to prevent this? Yes. Exactly. And it's an honest mistake and as a nurse, you shouldn't be criminalized for that. Because look already how stressful our profession is. So, yeah, let's support her. I hope everything goes well, and we'll see what happens. I love these Friday episodes because we're chatting about nursing and the stuff we do in healthcare versus uh, sometimes like research studies or lengthy topics. I love it all, but it's nice to change it up because we have no guest on this Friday's episode. And naturally, we like talking about politics, so this gives us a chance to kind of dabble on politics and plus nursing-related, so it's even better because we could almost directly relate to this. Yeah. Hope you guys enjoy this week's episode. We always love talking about this and we find value in this. Give us a little love. Thank you. See you guys on the next one. Enjoy your day tomorrow.